In the Pits is partnered with 71 Designs, owned and operated by veteran Wade Martin, and partnered with fellow Texas brand Compete. 71 Designs can take your ideas for soft goods, merchandise, and casual wear and make them a reality. Message 71 Designs on Facebook or Instagram to get started today. In the Pits is partnered with Pod Runners Union. Follow Pod Runners Union on Instagram to find strength in union and celebrate our sports pit crew. Send in photos to represent your union local and be featured. Stealing pods for undeserving teams. It's a living. In the Pits is partnered with YI Paintball. Paintball, there's nothing like it. On the field or off, it's not just a sport, it's a community. The people, our people, come from all over with vastly different lives during the week. But come time for paintball, we're one community with a lot of stories about why. Follow YI Paintball on Instagram and meet the members of the paintball community. Learn about how they started, what their journey has been, and their ultimate why. Why paintball? What's your why? In the Pits is partnered with Hydra. Designed by players, for players, you can outfit yourself in Hydra gear from head to toe. Have confidence that when you make a purchase from Hydra, you are purchasing a well-tested and well-thought-out product, trusted by several top teams, including first-place semi-pro team, paintballfit.com. I personally recommend their Hydra Black knee pads. Purchases over $100 receive free shipping. Head to hydra.fit to browse their selection and discover the Hydra mentality. In the Pits is partnered with XTPL Events. The Extreme Tournament Paintball League is a series put on by the Lukau family of Paintball Fit fame that gives the opportunity for players to learn and grow together as a team. Three-man, Challengers and Champions X-Ball, Draft Mech X-Ball, and even U3v3, there's something for everyone at XTPL. Not to mention prize tosses, raffles, and the infamous Paintball Munching Contest. Events happen throughout the year, and the prizes never disappoint. Sign up for an XTPL event today on PB Leagues. In the Pits is partnered with Bem Raps. Behind every mask is a unique and creative player. Tap into it when you order your next custom headpiece. Their Build a Band lets you communicate with them one-on-one to make your order just the way you want, all the way down to the color of the stitch. Check out their Instagram, at BEMRAPS, for drops and build videos of them working on orders. They offer very competitive pricing, so reach out today to get started on your own one-of-a-kind headpiece. In the Pits is partnered with Mariachi Aguilas de Oro. Based in Austin and servicing the surrounding areas, these Golden Eagles will bring life to any event you are having, from birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, corporate events, or even a simple performance to enjoy. Guillermo Padilla, one of their trumpet players, is also a member of the Texas paintball scene. Visit them on Facebook and Instagram to check out some of their past performances, or give them a call to book them for your event today. In the Pits is partnered with Skull Monkeys Paintball. Equip, engage, excel. In the Pits is partnered with Compete. Compete is a Texas-based brand by Jell Stewart of professional team AC Diesel that provides custom jerseys, pants, headbands, straps, tech shirts, and any other soft goods to help individuals and teams compete at the highest level. Support Texas Paintball and message Compete on Facebook or Instagram and mention In the Pits podcast for 10% off your entire order. In the Pits is partnered with Get That Shot. Get That Shot now offers first-in-line photo and video editing, 20% off Get That Shot merch, and 20% off prints to all teams that wear the Get That Shot logo on their jersey. Message Get That underscore Shot on Facebook or Instagram to become a Get That Shot program team. In the Pits is partnered with Paintball Kumite.
Paintball Kumite is a program designed by Colt Roberts of professional team San Antonio X-Factor to take paintball players of all ages, experience levels, and skill groups and mold them into champions. The program breaks the game down into small, easy-to-learn sessions designed to help you master the fundamentals so that you can elevate your game. Newcomers to the program get a free one-hour introductory class when mentioning in the pits. To sign up for a class, message at Paintball Kumite on Instagram. Welcome everybody to episode 82 of In the Pits Paintball Podcast. This podcast is focused on everything that has to do with the paintball scene here in Texas, from professional players and teams to new divisional programs, local tournament series, field owners, Texas-based brands, even photographers and videographers. Every week we'll have a short and sweet episode with a new topic and a new special guest. I'm Christian Dallas-Smith. I'm a player for the Texas Titans. In this episode, we are going In the Pits with Mike Bianca coach for pro team New Orleans Hurricanes and co-host of Go Sports, the coaches show. Mike, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing very well. And uh, wow, you know, you could have been in radio. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well done. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, I've had uh, 82 weeks to practice now. (laughs) That's fantastic. Uh, Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, well, thank you for uh, coming on the show. I know uh, there was a little bit of a fiasco with me saying the wrong calendar date on you, but uh, thanks for being flexible and all that. No worries, man. Happy to help. All right, well, let's uh, let's go ahead and get started. This first question is brought to us by XTPL Events. So for those listening that maybe don't know about you, how long have you been involved in the tournament paintball scene? Tournament paintball. Yeah. I started tournament paintball probably around 97, 98. So I guess that's what, 26 years or so. Uh, I started playing at a little local field um, in the in the woods in, in backwoods, Mississippi. I, I remember when I went and watched my first hyperball match, I remember thinking that it didn't take any skill. <laughs> you know, the old accuracy by volume belief, you know, uh, when I finally started playing a uh, speedball uh, as we called it then uh, i will tell you my, my eyes were open so you know you you start the startup costs for legitimate uh setups back then were a, a lot like today right they're significant uh, none of the good teams in the area would pick me up because i didn't own an autococker or an automag or an angel uh the funny thing is though uh my teammates and i were, were beating these teams at these local events with our tipmans uh, I remember one day I told my friends on one of the big teams in that area that that team was called Fear Factory, by the way. Uh, I got a call. As soon as I told them I I was buying an autococker, I got a call by the team to join, which I found very funny. But anyway, um, that's kind of what went on. So so I guess, yeah, since 97, 98. It's, uh, It's crazy that even nowadays, like equipment is very it's gotten so good across the board that it's, it's not nearly as much of a factor as far as a team success rate. 100% agree. Yep. You know, that's, that's what it takes. Most of the markers, even these, these entry level markers can do what the others do. It can it shoot 10.5, right? Can it not chop paint? You're good. Yep. Uh, just as long as they're reliable. That's, that seems to be the only thing nowadays that, and uh, I guess there's a trend with, 
uh, like the newer markers, like the CS3 or the Field One Force, like m- more so focused on being able to handle brittle paint, which I totally understand on the and the NXL side of things. But for local events or weekend play, it's it, just as long as it works and you remember to, you know, change your batteries and clean out your bolts and all that, you're probably good to go. Yep, 100%. Take care of your equipment, it'll take care of you. Absolutely. So what are some of the teams that you've played for over the years? <laughs> well, probably not many that anyone's familiar with, uh, but um, I, I, some like the first, the first tournament team I ever played for was called Poison Oak. <laughs> but, uh, and then uh, Sonic Death Monkeys. Um, those were both like three-man teams that were, you know, pretty successful in the local and regional area. But then I got onto Fear Factory, started playing more regionally, and um, played for the the often uh, misunderstood team Godspeed uh, in MPPL Super Seven in the early two thousands. Played for uh, PSP uh, X Ball Team Red Energy. Um, then, of course, uh, Birmingham Prime. Uh, played for Royalty. So those those are the teams. Perhaps, uh, yeah, the teams. Some people may remember Red Energy, Prime, Royalty. Again, the the others were simple, like local and regional. But I had I made some great friends on those teams, and I still have them today. So I wonder if there's any uh, if you had a Venn diagram between local paintball team names and like small garage band names. If what the the Venn diagram looks like there, because uh, Poison Oak is uh, that's a good one right there. Yeah, well, you know, being a being a tournament team that that came out of the woods, and then started playing hyperball and then airball, it, it was it seemed appropriate. But uh, you know, back we we had everything. Everything was thirty two degrees. You know, that's shout out to my old school ballers. So, shout out. All right. So this question is brought to us by Skull Monkeys Paintball, who's actually a local team up in the uh, New York area. So tell us about how you first got into paintball. All right. Uh, let's see. I I played my first game of paintball uh, again in the backwoods of Mississippi in 1993. Uh, so, oh wow, 30 years ago. So, uh, the university I was going to had a paintball club, and I lived in a in a house uh, just off campus with uh, three other roommates. Two of those roommates were part of this paintball club. I was getting to know people. It was my first year and everything. Uh, so they invited me out. And we would go play outlaw paintball out in the woods with this, you know, this professor who had his own tanks and everything, and he'd fill everybody up. And we didn't have chronos. I've, I'll never forget that one. I have, I have a nice hole scar from that first day. But uh, you know, we do that pretty regularly. And, and I'll tell you that that adrenaline rush that you get being out there in the first time, and it's like buck fever, right? If anyone knows what that is. Um, but. Uh, it was a different time, you know, a case of gator ball is what we used to shoot, which was like a really, I mean, we're talking black shell. It was a black shell with this bright green fill, but it would cost you like 80 to a hundred dollars at a pawn shop back then. But it was all woods ball to begin with. Um, I don't know. The adrenaline of, of being crafty in the woods will, will always be a favorite feeling of mine. But yeah, I would have, I, I first played in 93 and that's how I got into it. I was, I'm not one of those birthday party people. You know, I came to it late. I was in my twenties. Well, uh, I'm, I was 
when I first got into tournament paintball, I was also a product of the NCPA because I first started with the Texas Longhorns uh, playing that. And it was it was very different for me because I w- before that I was uh, all in like, you know, music, orchestra, performing arts, all of that. And then I get to college still doing all of uh, that. I My major was uh, vocal music and I uh, was had a had a weird blend of doing that and then also playing paintball for the university so that's awesome hook them horns you know it's funny i actually i was a, a musician in college well i was a musician in high college and I, I played in local bands and made a little extra money doing that so pretty cool it's a it's a unique experience for uh, anybody who's never gotten into playing an instrument it's definitely fun it's it's uniquely rewarding as well yeah, it teaches you discipline too. Absolutely. So. so this question is brought to us by Pod Runners Union. So uh what are some things that have changed within either the Texas scene and or uh just the general paintball scene overall for better or for worse over the time that you've been involved in it? Well, first of all, Pod Runners Union, is that is that, that cool Instagram uh page that I just crack up with the memes. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> okay, cool beans, man. Shout, shout out, out to, to you, Sasha. Guys. Sasha, that's right. I knew it. Okay, mm-hmm. shout out to Sasha. Um, well, I can't talk too much about paintball in Texas um, at that time or over the year. But, well, I can tell you this. I think many would agree that Texas has become a significant purveyor of paintball talent. Um it it used to be California or the West West Coast area. Now you have Diesel, Heat, uh, X Factor, Notorious, PB Fit. That that's five of twenty professional teams that are Texas based. So a quarter of the professional team, twenty five percent of the MLPB NXL professional teams are from Texas. If that doesn't tell you that Texas has become a a breeding ground of paintball talent over the last several years. I don't know what does. So that's what I would say. I would say that that Texas has become what's the word they use? A mecca of paintball these days. Absolutely. And I I was thinking about it just recently, right after Fit got promoted. I think they've overtaken California in the number of professional teams in the league. As as far that, as that I can would... think off the top of my head, we've got from San Diego, we've got Aftermath and Dynasty. From LA, you've got the Ironmen and you've got Infamous. And outside of that, I mean, Sacramento DMG isn't a team anymore, so it's just those four. All right, y'all. Sorry about that. We are back. So I think what we were saying was that uh, Texas has kind of evolved to be the current Mecca. And uh, like from my most recent count, Texas overtook California in the number of teams in the NXL because I I think they only – California since – Sacramento DMG left. They only have four teams now. They've got uh, Aftermath, Dynasty, Dynasty, the Iron Men, and Infamous. And and technically, you know, even though it's LA, you know, Infamous really is based out of out of the mid, yeah, more of the Midwest. I think if I may be wrong, but yeah, I, I think you're right. So Texas, I mean, when you've got when you've got the, it's it's just incredible what Texas has been able to do, and it doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Yep, and on (laughs) absolutely, and on top of that, like I think three of the last four teams that have gotten promoted from semi-pro have been from Texas. 
because you start out with uh, Diesel winning in 2019. Mm-hmm. 2020, there wasn't a team. 2021 was you guys. Mm-hmm. And then 2022 is Notorious. And then this past year was Fit. Was Fit. Yep. And last three out of four, 75%. And even you guys have some history in the USXBL. So Texas can kind of claim you yep. there. <laughs> we'll take it, man. I All love right. being honorary Texan. <laughs> you guys can be honorary Cajuns. Uh, we'll take that. Yeah. Uh, mm. I mean, we've. Uh, I know that my team had a lot of fun. What was it? I guess two years ago now, when Bunkerfest held their Mardi Gras event, and uh, we we definitely had a blast coming down. I tell you that that was an incredible that whole Bunkerfest thing and and what they're doing with all of that is really awesome. I I find that very cool. So. Absolutely, yeah, we're big fans of Chris Rangel and everything that he's been doing. Yeah. So this question is brought to us by Bem Raps. Uh, so as a player, you've played at a high level for many years. However, as far as whenever I was doing my uh, research on your PB Leagues profile, you've also been coaching at a high level dating back like over 10 years now with uh, Division Two Team Prime. So what was it that got you into the coaching side of the game? Toxic masculinity? No, no. Um, <laughs> I, I think age had a lot to do with it, but not because... I had gotten old. Um, yeah, I guess we have to go back to about 2006 to really study that. I, I opened a, a tournament field in 2006 with a good friend, uh, again, in Mississippi. And, you know, you and I were talking earlier uh, before the show, and, and I was involved in martial arts, and I began trying to incorporate a lot of philosophy and mechanics from that, you know, training into the game. Uh, I used that time to to really you know as a field owner to really get into biomechanics etc you know when you own a tournament field in in rural mississippi not every weekend is full with players so you have opportunities to train and drill and do a lot a lot of different things but uh, i really got into drills and as i was working with teams and i had a team i was called legends paintball um not everybody wanted to do drills right I had built up a small reputation locally and regionally for for being a decent player. But again, I, I was really pushing the drills a lot. And no one really wanted to do them. And around that time, this DVD came out called Dynasty Dissected. And lo and behold, a lot of the stuff that this incredibly talented young team was doing, this old man was doing at this local nowhere field. And uh, anyway, I I enjoy learning, um, but during that time, I found a love for teaching. So I started reading more. Uh, I don't remember who said it, but I think it still rings true today. And that's uh, when one teaches to learn. So, you know, um, Albert Einstein, like Albert Einstein said, I never teach. I simply provide conditions in which my students can learn. And I I thought that that really opened my my mind to a lot of different perspectives and, and concepts. And um, I love that. So that's the sort of position I adopted back then. And uh, I have a degree in communications. And I think that really helped in uh, with me learning how to deliver instruction. But being able to put things in terms everyone can understand, I think, is really key. 
but uh, to answer your question, I, I tried the player coach thing and it just wasn't efficient. Um, I knew I could still play, but there was an allure to teaching and, and watching others grow that made me make the transition, I guess. You know, seeing that light bulb go off in players' heads and seeing them go out there and perform uh, to their full potential was pretty, uh, pretty gratifying. So, yeah, I would. That does does that answer your question? I don't know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I I totally understand uh, all of those feelings. Yeah. So, and this question is brought to us by Mariachi Aguilas de Oro. So, when was it that you decided to transition fully away from the player role, like full time into coaching and why? Hmm. Okay. So there were three things that happened that, that made me decide to transition fully into coaching. First was meeting Shane Pastana, um, who had watched me as a player coach over at prime. And he was the first guy to, to see or tell me that I, I was good on that front. Right. He really built me up. He really supported me, uh, gave me a confidence to believe in what I was doing. Um, second thing would have been when I, I left Birmingham Prime the first time in 2016. Uh, I started writing a blog at my wife's behest. Right. She said I needed to get my thoughts and concepts down on paper. And so I started a small blog called uh, Zen and the Art of Paintball. And I remember anticipating getting uh, getting pretty roasted or hosed online, but surprisingly, I didn't, at least not publicly. I started doing um, a few local and, and regional clinics and built up uh, another, again, a, a small reputation for for hosting a good learning ex- experience. That's, that's how I describe that. Um, and I ended up getting contacted by a D2 team. It was a, a rebirth of the CEP brand team name who weren't doing very well in the division at the time. And they wanted me to coach them for an event, just a single one-off. And of course I said, well, if I'm going to do that, I, w- I want to be there for your practices prior. Right. So we need to practice as a team and get used to each other um, before we go. And uh, they hadn't done any better than one in three, I think at the first two national events at that time. And they, they thought I could help. And uh, what's funny is I didn't think I could. But it was my wife uh, who said that, you know, I was taught, I'm always talking about the process and culture and this element and that element. And uh, she said, what better team to, to prove it with? So I agreed and, and they made, uh, they made Sunday taking ninth at the event. And they asked me back for cup and then they took fourth. Finally, they asked me back for the next season. They wanted me to coach the whole season and they won the division. So so that that kind of proved to me that hey maybe there is something to what I'm thinking right. Uh, finally, the the third thing, and this predates the others actually, was someone told me I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> so that just pushed that just pushed me, and I can be petty like that. So <laughs> so that's kind of what happened. So I would I I would say that probably around I had always been that player coach for several years from about 2010 to to 2015 or so and um and then all those things happened and i just decided okay it's time to refocus and and focus on others right and and that's just kind of what drew me i i believe that in order to be a good coach you have to have a servant's attitude and uh, i was kind of at that place in my life Uh, at the prime program the prime program it had 
a hundred players come through it, right? In all divisions. And I got to I got to be a part of of a, of over a hundred different people's, you know, paintball journey. And that's pretty cool. And uh, and I'm still friends with probably 90% of those guys. So yeah, I guess that's when I realized that hey, maybe there's ways to use, you know, paintball as a as a way to not only help others, but maybe help me grow too, because I learn every day. I'm learning right now. One thing I find interesting uh, is that, especially in the lower division, and maybe it's just less crucial, the coaching role in the lower divisions, but from everyone that I've talked to that is seriously into the coaching role, most of the consensus is that it's not viable to be a player coach or to have a team run by a player coach. But then at the same time, so many teams do it. And I'm curious if like why you think that is, do you think it's just that those individuals still have a strong desire to play or do you think it's just a a lack of knowledge or respect for the coaching role or what are your thoughts as far as that goes? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Uh, in some instances, it's out of necessity, right? Uh, some instances, I think it's like you said, they still want to play, right? Third, there might be egos involved. You know, I can coach and play at the same time. Watch me go. I'm Johnny Badass, right? Um, but uh, maybe it's a, it's, I don't mean this as a harsh word, but it's an ignorance, an ignorance of of what that role really entails if you want to see success consistently. Um but 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 I, you know I'm sure there are teams out there that are proving me wrong right now that have player coaches that are doing very well and, and succeeding, and that is a sign of an incredible multitasker, right? An incredibly three dimensional, maybe even fourth dimensional thinker. Um, I don't see them in the higher divisions usually, but uh, yeah, I think I think it can be a lot of different reasons, right? Not you know paintball is such a niche sport and you know, resources can be so scarce that sometimes you get backed into those corners. And a lot of times people will look to that guy and say, Hey man, lead. Right. And some guys are those natural alphas. They want to step up and say, I'll lead. Right. I'll do it. So I don't know. It could be a lot of different things. I mean, it'd be a fascinating study in psychology. So. Do you know, um, I mean, I, I know you just said there's not very many teams, if any, in the upper divisions that are, player coaching but do you know of any successful examples off the top of your head well i would like to think birmingham prime was good good at it but you know but we were also kind of like a uh a cabal mm-hmm. so you know there was was never one one guy necessarily in charge um but uh but of course birmingham prime doesn't exist anymore so um you know not off not right off the top of my head i mean look at some of the some of the successful D2 teams, um, Golden Misfits, Wrecking Crew, two great programs, right? Coaches. And uh, and now they're both semi-pro. That's going to be exciting to watch. Um, you know, I, I look at a lot of these these teams and I just almost everyone that I that I'm familiar with that's been doing well does have a dedicated coach of some sort. So in some capacity. Um so no, I don't know any off the top of my head. That's a great question, though. I'm I'm gonna go research that. I'm gonna go look that up. Yeah, it's uh... see if I can find any. 
And I, I know I was talking, I, I can't remember who exactly brought the idea up. It might've been on a previous episode of uh, Ryan Greenspan show, but I think there was a proposal that, or, or maybe just an idea that was floating around that. What if PB leagues added a slot on their roster? So you, you go and sign up your players. You also have the, the staff selector, but what if you had a unique role where you could put one person in as the coach and that uh, would be tracked uh, from event to event so that you can see who um, like give proper credit to the the coaches that are uh, actually fulfilling that role out there. And I'm curious if that would or what that would do to kind of bring life into the role in at that lower level. Yeah, kind of legitimize it a little bit, you know, emphasize the importance of such a role. Um, that's kind of a neat idea. That's a good concept. I, I like that idea. You know, it's interesting. Coaches, we we get a lot of credit. Um, it, like, for instance, take, for instance, the live stream on Go Sports. Um, you know, what a great call by, you know, Ryan Gray or what a great call by, you know, Ryan Brand or any of the other Ryans. You know, <laughs> such a paintball name. Um, and a lot of times, yeah, it, it a lot of that is the coach. But... <sighs> 75% to maybe 90% of the time, that's, that's a player making a good read and doing what he needs to do, right? So uh, as Ryan and I like to say, right, um, coaches plan and players execute. So I do think that's a, a great concept. I mean, you could track win ratios, all that sort of thing. It'd be, it'd be interesting. There's so many different things that statistics, this is the new hot topic right now, right, is statistics. And wouldn't it be great if we could have such an accurate thing uh, as statistics in, in paintball? It's going to be difficult, but it's doable. And uh, yeah, I think I think that would. I think you do that. You're going to start seeing people looking at because that's really, really what the coaches show is hoping to to build. We're trying to create more coaches. Well, uh, I'm also a big uh, fan of getting more information, more data into paintball just to give it a little bit more legitimacy in the eyes of everybody and potential outside observers um, would be cool to keep stats on those and see like, Oh, this person is actually like even something as simple as like an individual players win loss ratio. Every time they step onto mm -hmm. the field that, and that would be so basic to execute, but provide such a huge storyline. That's right. It's it, that one would be absolutely easy to track. So there's a lot of easy, there's a lot of low hanging fruit that we could easily get a hold of that may not be as exciting as some of those kill ratios or what have you, right? But uh, definitely some things we could leverage there. And I'm with you. I think the more data we get, the better. Um, and anytime you start doing that, stats really do legitimize things. They really do. Absolutely. And it uh, looks like in the chat here, we've got uh, JC Lamon of Uno's Jerky. Uh, he's saying hello. Uh, hello. Sure. I know that his jerky has made its way over to uh, to uh, LA Extreme. I, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to try any of it, but I definitely recommend. <laughs> uh, absolutely, I have. I got turned on to it by my friends of, uh, not only my friend Drew Bankston, owner of LA Extreme Paintball, but uh, my boys at I Hate Paintball uh, .net. and uh, it's it's good stuff, good man, good stuff. So, all right, yeah, shout out to you, JC. So this question is brought to us by Paintball Kumite, which is Colt Roberts Training Regimen. Uh, so starting at World Cup, you've hosted the Coaches Show along with Ryan Gray. So tell us more about the the mission behind the show. 
Gladly. Uh, yeah. So, so Ryan and I met and became friends in, in, in 2021. Uh, we had scrimmaged, he had brought Notorious out there and we'd scrimmaged and liked the way each other approached not only the game, but the reasoning and philosophy behind each other's approach. And, you know, by the way, Texas should be very proud to claim Ryan as part of that talent we were talking about earlier, you know, besides his, his work with X factor notorious and soon to be diesel. Uh, you got to look back at him as a player on the, from the Texas storm days. Uh, the man is smart and a solid leader. So he and I have very different approaches uh, to things, but the end game or rather the end goal rather is, is always the same. So both our teams got a lot of benefit from scrimmaging each other. And we had a, a tremendous time bouncing ideas and concepts off, off each other, you know, in between points uh, or we'd have these practices where Ryan and I would talk about the role uh, we both had as coaches and how there really any, there really wasn't anything out there for coaches or coaching in paintball. We felt there was a hole, right. For, for guidance or content around that specific topic. And, and we started, uh, we started scheming about how neat it would be to start a podcast. And, uh, to be honest, I didn't really see it coming to fruition. Uh, uh how many times, I've talked about, wouldn't it be cool if, but nothing ever comes of it, right? I've done that a hundred times with a hundred different people, great ideas, nothing ever comes of it. Anyway, Ryan can be quite convincing and uh, he enlisted the aid of some other influential personalities to get me on board and lead us to say it, it worked out and here we are. But uh, the goal is to provide content for coaches and players, you know, create a place where people uh, can go for examples and ideas as soon as, uh, you know, really we hope, you know, to start providing more analytical aspects to the show. Um, I think, you know, think NFL's game day, whatever, something like that. Uh, but yeah, I, that's the whole goal is to, is to create content for, for that missing link. I mean, it's, you could throw a rock and hit a YouTube channel from, you know, on players showing you how to, how to snap shoot or how to do this or how to do that. But how many do you actually have of, of a paintball coach giving you an inside look behind the scenes on, hey, these are the tactics we use. This is the strategic thinking. This is the critical thinking we do. This is my process. These are my techniques. This is how I do statistics. You know, the craziest thing ever, right? What The one that blows people's minds is when SK was, I think our, SK was on our second show. And he says, you know, people want to know how I do this and that. And I said, okay, yeah, here's how. And they're like, whoa, I didn't realize. He goes, yeah, just ask. So I think you're starting to see a transition now where everyone kept things, you know, close to the chest. Um, but now you're starting to see it come out. And I think the reason why you're starting to see it come out is because it it pushes everyone to be better. And I think that's important. I, does, that, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And I I know... Um, whenever the Texas Titans first started as an organization back at the start of 2021, our very first event, we were very, very fortunate to have Ryan Brand coaching all three of our divisional lines at that first USXPL that year. And I think as a player, um, uh, my division was playing on Sunday. So I was there on Saturday helping out our other divisional lines. And I just said to myself, you know what, if I'm going to get the most out of this, I'm just going to shadow Ryan brand the whole day. 
And I think I've probably learned more just in that single day than uh, I've had than over multiple years as a player. And it's there's there wasn't that many resources as uh, someone trying to figure out how to coach. And even something as basic as doing the the heat map of uh, the other team's Mm -hmm. breakouts, that was an entirely new concept to me. And just that and a few of the other things that we picked up just from shadowing him kind of formed the foundation of where the uh, Titans are today as a very strong program in Texas. Smart man, smart man, shadowing Ryan Brand. What what a great idea, right? And, And think about that. A lot of times when, like, I I just did a clinic this past weekend, and just taking small little things like this, like the heat map or, or you know, this is how we do this, the, create this code. Here's a code. There's a one-word code that means this much, right? You know, that efficiency. That's going to lift your capability probably 30%, 40% in whatever division you are in, if you, if you didn't already, if you weren't doing that stuff. So... So smart for you. Great that Ryan's given back. I think that's fantastic. Ryan, Ryan's such a smart cookie. He's a smart guy. I've enjoyed getting to know him. Yep. And uh, JC Lamone in the chat, he actually is also a member of the Texas Titans. He was on the team that year. He said he had the worst day of paintball during practice on uh, the day that uh, Ryan came in to kind of help us prepare for that event. But he learned so much from that weekend. See, but but that's that's the thing. Um, you know, I have this thing I say a lot, right? You know, we didn't lose, we learned, right? Um, that concept is basically doesn't matter if you had a if you had a bad day of paintball, as long as the needle, right, as long as it's continuous improvement. So okay, we had a bad day of paintball, but we learned a tremendous amount. My goodness, man, move the needle. Doesn't matter if that needle moved 0.001%, as long as the needle's moving in the right direction. So good for you, man. Absolutely. Uh, and this question is brought to us by why I paintball. So episode nine with Mike Jeffrey just, uh, published earlier this week. So now that you've been doing the show for two months, what are some things that you've learned about the content creation process? Oh, wow. Uh, I've learned that I don't know anything. Um, (laughs) I've barely touched the surface. Uh, there's a lot to learn, but, uh, but you know, we're putting the time in to learn it. Content creation and and growing the show, it's a pooch, uh, but it's been it's been quite the experience so far. Frankly, uh, you know, I consider myself lucky to be even be involved. Truth be told, R- Ryan's the main driver and has put in a lot of work when it comes to to that aspect. Um, he's a machine and has a propensity for doggedness. Uh, the man's a logic based animal, but yeah, it it's a process. All right. And with anything, it there's a learning curve. And there's probably a lot of, you know, very adept people out there right now saying it's so easy. I'm I'm sure it is. When when you have, you know, nine irons in the fire, you know, it, it takes a little time. Uh, I do not sit in front of a computer all day. So uh, I I kind of wish I did. There's my my son tonight was showing me around Discord. And uh, it's it's fascinating stuff, right? So but I I I would say that uh, content creation, you know, keeping keeping that hook, right? You were a musician, right? Finding that hook mm-hmm. that makes people want to sing along, right? It's the finding the the right mix that keep people wanting to listen and wanting to come back. It's not easy, but I thought 
you know, this coach show, this makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I think that's one of the number one things, skill sets that's not being promoted or really studied. And that's that role of coach. And so if we can give a little bit back, I think that's the goal. And I, I have listened to every episode and it's refreshing to hear, especially at the top level, how things are being done in the different uh, ways that everybody that you've had on uh, tackle those challenges. And because I know for a while, uh, my perception of it was, oh, these are former players who just have an innate feel of the game. Guys like Dave Baines, uh, guys like um, like Todd Adam and. Todd Adamson out there who uh, have been around the game for such a long time and they just have a feel for it. And yeah. uh, it gave me the impression of, oh, you can't be a coach unless you have years of experience in the pro division. And that, that was my perception on the role for a long time. Well, you know, right. That was your perception. And, uh, and it's easy to understand why. I, I would say though that yeah, one of it is important to have a strategic and tactical understanding of the game, right? So obviously, I will say this: just because they were a phenomenal player does not mean they were a they're going to be a good coach. It's it really is two different skill sets, right? So, um, but I mean, you've named some some really good players. Dave Dave Baines being one, right? A phenomenal player who transitioned well into the coaching role. Matter of fact, we're hoping to get him on the coaches show. So real quick, I did want to ask you, how about a little uh, creative feedback? Um, is there anything you would change about the coaches show right now? Um, I can take it. Come on. <laughs> I, I mean, right now, I think getting all of these names is great to help kind of drive the, the awareness of the show. But uh, af after you've kind of established your viewer base, I would love to see more topics kind of being like having episodes more focused on topics rather than individuals, you know, maybe things like, Hey, what, how is it different coaching an upper divisional team versus a new division five team? What are some things that you have to do differently between the two? That would, that would be, I think an excellent resource. That is, that is a fantastic idea. As a matter of fact, something I want to do is I want to bring in some divisional coaches. I want to bring in coaches from D2, D1, maybe D3, D4, D5, you know, bring them in and, and ask them some questions, right? Say, so, you know, what do you think? It would be great to do something like that. I also want to do something and, you know, maybe I'm having delusions of grandeur. I don't know, but I would love to, Ryan and I have talked about studying specific matches, putting them up on the screen and then going through it and, and analyzing, explaining to you why we think this player did this, why we think this coach played this, this line, why we think this coach called this this play i you know why they decided to concede that point you know clock management clock management something that a lot of coaches don't talk about um or maybe even lower divisional player uh coaches are familiar with so there's so much stuff out there that you spot on thank you for the feedback i greatly appreciate it it just makes me realize just how much more there is we could be doing Oh yeah, there's <laughs> there's uh, a scope creep is what I've heard it uh, referred to as, but there's that's a good good term. <laughs> there's a uh, a lot of potential there. <clears throat> I like to think so. So uh, this uh, kind of speaking on all of that, uh, if you had to give one piece of advice for a player stepping into the coaching role for the first time, 
what would it be? Just one thing. Uh, or, I could, I could, or if you want to give a top three, ten. or yeah. <laughs> um, I'd say learn your players. Um, you should coach how they learn. They shouldn't have to learn how you coach. I say that all the time, by the way. So if I sound like a broken record, it's because it's true. Not every player responds to the same stimuli. Okay. It's vitally important. You know how to communicate with each and every player, right? Um, we'll call them emotional displays may work for one player while it probably throws another one completely on tilt. So learn what motivates them. Uh, learn their strengths, weaknesses. Don't worry, Ryan, I won't go into my SWOT analysis. Uh, that'll lead to better communication and understanding, right? So, I mean, I could keep going. Like, learn your players. Uh, I mentioned communication. You better know the game. We talked about that, right? You better know the game uh, tactically, strategically. Um, you better know the why. I've said this for years now. I think the most important question in paintball is why. Why, why are we going to this bunker? Why am I shooting this way? Why am I paying attention to the stack? You know, right? Um, you better be a good listener. You better be a good learner, too. Uh, you have to be open to learning new things and, and ideas, right? Uh, you got to have thick skin. You got to be open to uh, criticism, too. Criticism needs to work both ways. Um, you got to be a good motivator. Uh, you know what? Be a good, be an inspiration. Right. And you can be an inspiration by being confident, right? Exuding confidence. Um, but in order to exude confidence, you have to have a solid knowledge base. So now we're back to knowing the game, right? Uh, you got to be able to instill discipline. But probably one of one of the things I believe the most in and I've tried to do for the last 10, 12 years, lead by example. Don't tell anyone to be on time and show up late. Uh, you better be more you better be as committed or more committed than they are. You must want it every bit as as much as they do, right? You got to believe, baby. Because if you don't, they'll see it, they'll see through it. And then now you got problems. So, okay, I'll shut up now. Well, I I mean, I love how the the biggest things there were you have to know the game and you have to lead by example like you have to be doing the things yeah you have to be the best person there because i i know there's the the well uh popular phrase as much as i disagree with it the those who can do and those who can't teach uh right but i i think that those that teach need to be masters at their craft before they can uh be able to like bestow that information on their students you know, people who say those who can't, you know, it, actually that's based off an Aristotle quote, right? And what he basically said was those who know do, those who understand teach. So I don't think you have to be the best, right? Because I am certainly not the best paintball player, right? But as a, as a critical thinker, I've always talked about how my role as a coach is to put my players with their strengths and weaknesses, put them in the best position to succeed. So being able to remove distractions and let them focus on being the player they can be um that's a role of a coach right remove obstacles remove distraction 
let them focus on being the best player they can be. And one of the ways I can do that is by asking questions, putting them, you know, pressure testing. I'm a huge proponent of pressure testing. And that probably comes from the, the martial arts aspect, right? But um, let's see if something works. <laughs> let's hit it, <laughs> you know? So, um, but yeah, that's that's kind of my stance on that. But yeah, I, I think I think you, yes, you you have to understand and you have to be able to communicate and there has to be that trust. There has to be some form of bond, right? Whether whether it's that mentorship or that harsh taskmaster, doesn't matter, however you want to define it, there has to be some form of bond and that bond has to involve a trust. And if you can't build that trust um, and instill that trust in your players, you're gonna have problems. So I hope I hope that. that. I love it. And I hope that uh, anybody who's listening is taking notes. <laughs> so this question is brought to us by FU Athletics. Uh, so throughout your entire career, do you have a single favorite moment so far? You know, Zizek asked me that question. Um, good question. I like that question. I have two. I have two now. Uh, number one, winning World Cup with the Canes will always be one of the most incredible experiences uh, of of my paintball career right uh it was pretty emotional i'm not an emotional guy but uh but i think uh you know i had like 16 second place finishes na- uh, nationwide you know in the national events um you know several thirds several fourths and, and finally to win a national event and for that final you know for that national event first win to be a world cup that's pretty cool that's pretty awesome you know, especially since it was with this crew, the Canes. Um, love those guys. They're my boys. Uh, next to that would be going into Sunday as the first place seed and the only undefeated team in the prelims at Chicago, our rookie year. I don't think anyone saw that coming. And if you go back and you watch our match against the Russians, that that made me so proud of the guys. That That's when I knew that we were on the save wavelength, right? That was grit. Cool, calm, collected in the pits, knowing we weren't out of the match, even though, and we never get, you know, it was four zip with like eight or nine minutes left. And I'm like, hey, we quit getting penalties. We're going to win this match. And uh, so let's stick to the game plan. And, you know, here we go. Let's let's impose our will. Let's execute the game plan. You know, players, co- you know, coaches co- you know, plan, players execute. Uh, so, yeah, so that, a close third would be uh, beating Heat in overtime at uh, the Mid Atlantic event last year with our super secret play. <laughs> so those would those would be my three memories. By the way, I love the Heat guys. I, as a matter of fact, I was on the phone with Chad recently, Yaya recently, and uh, you know I, I really I really appreciate that team. So cool team, a Texas team. So absolutely. All right. So this next question is brought to us by 71 designs. So let's talk about, uh, your current team that you coach the new Orleans hurricanes. So you've, you guys earned the pro spot in 2021 and, uh, pretty much immediately you were a team expected to appear on Sunday. So how did you come to join the organization? I'm not sure if we were expected to, I mean, no one knew what we were bringing. Right. So everyone, uh, Everyone gets that first event. And I, honestly, that with the second event where we made our first Sunday, giving a blind layout like that, I felt was way in our advantage. We, we were that team. I, I remember Maddie made a comment. He goes, there were teams out here for five hours. Yeah, we were one of them. So, you know, but yeah, 
to your point, uh, I actually coached and played uh, with a few of the Hurricane players back in the Prime days. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, Aaron Pate, Jacob Seawright were both members of, of Prime at one time. Uh, I had also done a clinic as Zen in the Art of Paintball uh, for the Canes right before they won Chicago in D2, actually. As a matter of fact, they knocked Prime out in the quarters. Um, I had played against Drew Bell. Uh, and, and, you know, we ran in a lot of the same circles, chewed a lot of the same dirt. So there was that relationship. So I, I was very familiar with the program. Um, but how I ended up with um, the Hurricanes. After I coached CEP uh, to a divisional title in 2019, the Hurricanes were actually coming off, I believe, a third third place finish at the time in semi-pro. They were uh, they were always competitive, and they felt the one thing that was missing was an experienced coach. Um, I didn't. I remember when you know. So Captain Stuart Rigel uh, gave me a call, and we discussed the culture and expectation. I remember telling him, I said, I don't think you guys need me. I think you guys are right there. I think you just need to, you know. But we, we did agree. I, I said, you know what? Let, let me come down and give it a look, and you know, we'll go through a practice, and we'll meet, and we'll hang out, and we'll do all this stuff, and. Of course, not from a clinic perspective, but from a, okay, if I'm going to coach, let me really get to know the guys and let's go through a practice together. And so I came down for a weekend to work with them and it just clicked, man. Uh, it was, uh, we were all on the same page and, um, uh, we're, you know, after the first day we were, we were ribbing each other pretty good and, uh, in a real comfortable way. So, uh, so that would have been, I guess that had been the beginning of like January, February of, of 2020. Uh, and the rest is history. Yeah. By the way, quick shout out to Stu and his lovely wife, Jessica. They are expecting twin boys any day now. So love you guys. Uh, can't wait to meet the twins. So oh, congratulations. Yeah, it's it's a big deal, man. It's the first time. I'm, I'm excited for him. <laughs> and that's wonderful. Uh, so. Uh, so the Hurricanes. um Whenever, whenever they came into the league, their style was one that it didn't. They didn't look like a rookie team when they first came in. They had a mature and disciplined uh, style on the field, and they were immediately respected for it. So, what do you attribute kind of that hot start and that that better than expected start towards? Well, you said it. Um, discipline, right? Um, Managing expectations, goal setting, you know, just plain old hard work. So we knew what we were getting into when we decided to take the spot. You know, we understood the mountain that was in front of us. Uh, I believe that uh, adversity is a guideline. It's not a stop sign. Um, I read that somewhere, but it stuck with me. See an obstacle, uh, recognize it, figure it out, get around it over it, under it, through it, you know, whatever you got to do, but, but don't roll over and die and, and either stand there and announce I am or get out of the way. And I think, I think we sat there and we were realistic about things. So we had a, a realistic expectation. We understood where our level was. And so we decided instead of trying to be something, we were like, we're going to be the hurricanes. We're going to, we're going to take our system and we're going to apply it at the pro level and see what it gets us. And, um, and it worked. So I'm proud of that, by the way, I'm very proud of that. As you should be. I mean, that's, uh, 
I I think even teams that have come into the league after you guys uh, were, which I guess would just be notorious at this point because we haven't seen too much to fit. But um, like they don't they don't play the same style. I don't think Diesel did either when they first came into the league, and uh, just the fact that you were like, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna do our thing and we're just gonna stay disciplined. That's not. Um, you know, being able to get over the jitters like that as a rookie team is uh, something that very few have been able to achieve. Right. Well, yeah. Um, we still had the jitters, right? But we weren't going to let them affect the game. Um, I think because because ultimately, right, we're all adults. You know, I have an I have an older team. I think our average age is thirty four, thirty five. So I do have an older team. So. It's interesting because, you know, we we've been described as a as a disciplined team, and um and I love that, and that makes me. I made a joke the other day. I, I said we're we're the wish list form of damage, but mm. um, in in all reality, I I don't think we have any particular style. We play the field the way we think it needs to be played based off our strengths, and sometimes that that we're going to see the field as hey, we need to be aggressive here, and we can be aggressive. Right. We can play aggressively. Um, but at the same time, though, zone control is very key and understanding. I like to reverse engineer layouts. Right. A lot of people want to find this, that and the other. One of the things I like to do is say, OK, how do I lock it now? How do I attack from that? Right. Um, it's a lot like uh, I, I just had this conversation the other night. It's, matter of fact, if you get a chance, listen to the next um, coaches show with uh, Shallow Almeida where we talk about the martial arts aspect of it and how we applied that to paintball as a whole. And you see that in the Hurricanes style. And that is, you know, when my opponent expands, I contract. When my opponent contracts, I expand. So I want to, it's a, it's a mitigating risk approach, right? So Bruce Lee used to talk about it. Man, I'm giving it all away that that we're talking about mm-hmm. on the coaches show next Tuesday, but it's a Bruce Lee approach, right? Um, in order for you to, for you to move to me, like to hurt me as a physical person, let's say you want to punch me, you want to kick me, you want to hit me with something. In order for you to move, to, you know, hurt me, you have to move to me, which offers me an opportunity to intercept you or to meet you. And so the beauty of that is if I'm able to, if you, for instance, like you risk a body. Okay. I don't, I mitigate the risk. You risk a little bit. Well, that little bit of risk doesn't pay off for you. And that's going to give me either a uh, a positioning advantage or a body advantage. Now I'm going to effectively counter, offensively counter, right? So there's that response. There's that, that counter punch that, and that's how I've kind of always looked at the canes, right? The, the paintball field is the street and the <laughs> paintball match is a street fight. And so we've got to use our environment and we want to use our tools. Right. And we all have two arms and two legs. We're all going to fight. Well, they all have five guys with three guns. So, you know, unless someone comes out there with four arms and four guns in each and three legs or whatever, we're going to play a lot of light. But now I've just got to figure out. Right. The how I want to counter you or how I want to read you or do I want to, you know, basically impose my will on you and make you play my game. It's I'm I'm getting a little off topic, but it's it's very. it can be complicated, but it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. It can be simple. So I'll shut up on that front. <laughs> yeah. Something... I can babble sometimes, Christian. I can babble. 
Oh, that's what I'm, that's what I'm here for. I'm just here for the knowledge and, uh, the, the growth opportunity, but something I do hear a lot is, uh, especially from some higher level coaches where, uh, they'll, maybe they'll get frustrated at their team and they'll call a huddle and they're like, Hey, this game is easy. You guys are making this way more complicated than it needs to be. And just, right. there, there are a lot of distractions that could possibly happen during the game. And there's, there's a lot of moving parts, but it's, uh, overall, if on, if you stick to uh, being disciplined and what's on paper, then it, it just seems like it, the game uh, will kind of play itself out. That's right. I mean, if you want to see the difference between um, doing your job and making it complicated, look at the Hurricanes Chicago, look at the Hurricanes World Cup. There. That's And, and really, that's that's what it boils down to, right? And that's a great example of, you know, fifth place to whatever it was, and I don't even want to run. I've already moved it out of my head. But, you know, um, obviously, I haven't. Uh, so that's the thing, right? That's the difference between discipline, you know, levels of discipline and control. Um, fifth place to not doing very well. So, Right. And uh, speaking of kind of other external factors that go on, uh, so we know that throughout, especially throughout this offseason, uh, that you've gone on record saying that the Hurricanes really don't have much, if any, budget to work with. So what are what's one thing yeah. that uh, you guys do to maximize your time and budget that you do have? Organization. Yes, organization. So we'll you know, so we'll set goals for each practice, for each drill, for each other. Um, we hold each other accountable. The culture drives itself, really. When when you have a team culture that is about lifting each other up and pushing each other to be the best, to, to execute, drive your teammate to give 110%, then there's, there's little that will stop you from seeing successes um you have to want it you have to want to be there um you have to want to be at practice and and all of us want to be there right we're competitors so it's that simple it boils down to that we 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 want to be the best we can be and we hope that our best is winning a tournament or if our best is second or third or or fourth okay what do we have to do now to improve that how do we move the needle and and that's the game you know it's I, I used to make the comment that, you know, okay, and when it comes down to a fight between the team that practiced and shot 100 cases versus the team that practiced and shot 50 cases, I'm going to choose the guy that shot 100 cases every time. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that anymore because I believe there is a quality to your practice, especially since, you know, we've now consolidated normally what was two weekends of layout practice into one. So you have to get efficient, right? Now, certainly, yes, there are teams who can afford to, as minute, the minute the layout drops, Wednesday, they're out there practicing, and then they're practicing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then they'll go to the event, and they'll even practice on Thursday. And so, yeah, they're seeing a whole lot more. So how do I combat that with guys who have day jobs that, you know, we have to be efficient with our time? So not only efficient, but practical. So we have to get the biggest bang for our buck. So I, I like to try and consolidate things and create create opportunities. So I hope that answered your question. I, yeah, I always ask absolutely. you, that. did that answer your question? Because I have a tendency to babble. <laughs> absolutely. So as far as I, you know, if, if you don't mind me kind of trying to discover a few of your secrets here. So as far as when you say organization, do you 
mean things like as far as how the the practices that you do have are structured like maybe like the Mm -hmm. minute by minute or the out like the the goals that you have or what do you mean as far as like organization like if let's say you have a a layout that drops what are Mm -hmm. like what's your hierarchy of things that you work on okay that's that's no that's a great question so because we obviously don't have a lot of the assets or capabilities that a lot of teams do as soon as the layout drops, the team schedules a Zoom call. We already have a, a Zoom call scheduled for the layout drop. And the team gets on the Zoom call, all of us. We get on the Zoom call and we walk that field virtually together. And then we literally start with a reverse engineering process. And we we have an agenda for that Zoom call so that we're efficient with our time, right? Because all of us have work the next day. Some of us have work that night, <laughs> you know? So, so we're very efficient with the agenda. We... And then what what happens if we create these theories? So we come up with these theories. Coach takes theories and maybe I'll, you know, uh, give some other people some homework assignments. And then so we take these theories, come up with these concepts. We start testing what I we do, what I call foundational training. Uh, In other words, basis training. And we get out there on the first morning we can with each other and we start looking at things. Uh, and we start working on concepts that we think it's going to play this way. Let's test this theory and let's test this theory. Here's how we can control the zone. Here's how we can attack from this launch bunker. You know, all of that sort of stuff happens on that Friday, which create new theories. And then on Saturday, we test those new theories that we've kind of studied and adapted on Friday evening. And then those theories get tested throughout the day with a slightly more adjustment. And then we get there Saturday night as a team, we develop more theories and concepts and we start to polish things. And then that Sunday we start executing these as often as we can and we start narrowing things down. So I hope that's kind of a high level way of doing it, but that's the idea, that's the concept. Now, regarding practice, an off layout practice, we've got one this weekend uh, with AC Diesel actually. And I've already got an agenda. So the agenda's set and it's literally hour to hour to hour, half hour by half hour with what we're doing and what the goal is. And and there's always asterisks, which mean, okay, you know, if we haven't met this goal or we haven't met this level of aptitude at this point, we keep going, right? So because the point of an off layout practice is to shore up our weaknesses or strengthen our strengths. So that's kind of where we're at. I hope all that made sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's refreshing to hear that uh, how structured the practices are versus just, Hey, let's go play points and hope right. for the best. Right. No, I, I think the teams that just play points, the concept there is, Hey, if I can, if I can average 30 points a day, I'm going to get, you know, on a weekend or whatever, I'm going to get, you know, 60 to 90, you know, points in, I will have seen several, you know, scenarios. Well, you know, after after a couple of days, you know, after a couple of points or what have you, or I'm seeing a certain way that, well, I want to create the scenario that I think we're going to see often. And I want to work those a lot. So, you know, I try, that's my process. If I can't get my guys that much time on the field, well, then I'm going to create the opportunities to give them the looks that they need to see. So, Right. Absolutely. So uh, this question is brought to us by Hydra. And and actually, real quick, I see in the chat that Dan Shelley's here. Uh, he says he's wearing his coach's show shirt as we speak. That's that. Yeah, man. <laughs> the coach's show shirt here, um, brought made by Maxed, by the way. Thank you, Charles, over at Maxed, and all those crew. Good stuff. 
Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Dan, for tuning in. Thank you, uh, Charles, for uh, helping out in the discord beforehand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. After, after he had to take a shot at the old man first, but no, I love that guy. Yeah. Shout out to you, Charles. So uh, this question is brought to us by Hydra. So looking to the future, what can we expect this upcoming season for the Hurricanes? Uh, are you guys going to be making any roster moves? Do you have any potential sponsor changes on the horizon? Like what, what all do you have in store? Okay, so no roster moves. Um, I have the same 10 returning. It, it wasn't looking that way at the end of this season. Um, it looked like I was going to lose two anchors, two great players from the team. Um, but after the World Cup performance, they both agreed, no, we're not going out like that. So one last hurrah. Um, we have probably the best sponsors in the world, so no need to change the existing sponsors. Oh, but we did add one. Uh, myself and the team would would like to thank uh, our sponsors. Uh, they've been really good to us. So I want to shout out to Planet Eclipse, GI Sports Paint. If you're not shooting it, you're foolish. Um, JT. Uh, Carbon, uh, Walker and the crew, they've been so good to us. Gen X Global, one of the very incredibly supportive, gosh. Um, Transfuse, uh, I Hate Paintball. Um, the man himself, Drew Bankston, over at LA Extreme Paintball in Slidell, Louisiana. Um, now, I don't want to announce the newest sponsor here yet, but I promise it is very cool, and we are very excited about it, and I'm really looking forward to that one because it's you know, it, it's going to be neat. I'm really looking forward to that. One. But I'm going to let the team handle that one because uh, it would not be cool for Coach to to throw that one out before before it's time. But, you know, now I did want to add that we we are working on building relationships with a lot of people. There was a lot of interest. I got a lot of phone calls from players. And, of course, I've been keeping my eye on on the pulse, right? I want to keep my eye on, on players that uh, I'm interested in. Um, I'm very analytical from that front. I like to understand that, well, okay, if if I if I lose this player next season or I have an injury or whatever, these are certain players I keep eyes on in certain roles, right? Ones, twos, threes. And so I look at things that will complement us and not only complement um, our capabilities, but also who's going to fit in the culture, right? If one thing that you are guaranteed uh, – when you come and play for the Hurricanes, and blood, sweat, tears, right? Well, maybe not the tears, but blood, sweat, hard work, right? If you're chasing a bag, this is not the program. We've already joked about, you know, we have no, uh, we have no budget. But uh, other than that, yeah, no roster moves, but some great, some of the best sponsors in the world, and, and looking forward to announcing one new one. All right. Well, uh, yeah, looking forward to the announcement. Hopefully, uh, hopefully coming out pretty soon. So. Yeah. Uh, for everybody that's uh, tuning in live, first off, thank you for tuning in. I know that uh, we're airing on a different day than normal, uh, so we appreciate you watching. If you have any questions for Mike, go ahead, get them in the chat now. We're kind of getting toward the end of our show. So, Mike, this next question is one that I ask everybody that comes on the show, and it helps me kind of uh, broaden my horizons and learn about anybody who uh, is either up and coming or maybe flying under the radar that's out there. So uh, this question is brought to us by Get That Shot. Uh, message him, Get That Underscore Shot on Facebook or Instagram. If you're needing media coverage this upcoming season, he's going to be at the full series for NXL as well as USXBL, and I think he's going to uh, attend some other events in Texas as well. So, Mike, is there anybody 
in paintball, either teams, players, brands, or projects that have caught your attention lately? Who do you think deserves more recognition for what they're doing? That's a good one. Um, I'm certainly interested in seeing what Todd Adamson does with the newly reincarnated, you know, Chicago aftershock. Uh, that's I'm really anxious to see what how that happens. You know, what his roster is going to be and what that first event goes like for them. Um, I'm anxious to see what PV Fit and Blast Camp are going to bring to the division. Uh, as always, I'm fascinated by Dynasty Damage and Heat. <laughs> you know, um, the new Iron Man roster will be fun to watch. I think. You know, honestly, I would say I really enjoy a lot of the paintball content we were talking about earlier about paintball. I, I've really enjoyed stuff where these these guys who are kicking out these videos. Fava Photography made a a, a video. Of, God bless you and thank you to him and and Planet Eclipse for that uh, short you know documentary on the on the canes. If you haven't seen it, check it out on YouTube. It's called Force of Nature. And it's on the Planet Eclipse channel. Um, but I love stuff like that. I love I love something that tells a story and makes me care. I think Maddie says that a lot, right? Make us care. And and these guys who create these incredible landscapes with video paintball. So I would say the content creators, right? Ronnie Dizon's doing some incredible stuff with his his channel. You're doing incredible stuff here with this show. I anybody who does takes the time and tries to put their heart into this sort of thing. I love that stuff. I love it all. I try to consume as much of it as I can. Enrique photography. I mean, verbal, all these guys, uh, paintball nerd, they're all doing so many, you know, such cool stuff. And I think there is a huge, huge need for it. We've got to tell better stories. We've got to, cause that's what it is. The format's not broken. It's our, it's our messaging. It's our storytelling. And I think that's where we really need to be work. So those are you guys out there who, you know, content creators like yourself and everybody, and, and hopefully Ryan and I here soon, right? Um, let's keep going. Let's up the game. Uh, so that's the stuff I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing what the MLPB does, right, to to promote the, the league and tell the stories and, and get it out there. Uh, I'm really excited about the European. It seems Europe's really coming on now. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, gosh, just so much. Uh, but yeah, that I didn't mean to cheese out on you on that one and but uh, and cop out on that answer. But no one thing, no one player, no one product. Uh, I'm just I'm excited for all of it. Yeah, there's been a, a huge growth in the, uh, the just the number of individuals that are contributing content uh, for paintball yeah. uh, and from all over the place and not just the the guys who've been doing it a while or the big names uh like i i listened to a lot of different individuals like uh there's uh one uh gentleman from england that uh i actually got to say hi to during world cup he stopped by the project booth and he said wait a second are you are you christian smith and i'm like yes <laughs> and he's a regular listener from uh the uk and so i got to shake his hand and he's a uh, he does his own show called the Banana Bus uh, podcast over in the UK. I think yeah. he recently had uh, Clint Moore and a couple others on too. Yes, yes, uh, the Banana Bus. I'm very familiar with it. Um, it's 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 very cool stuff. So, oh yeah. Uh, so shout out to Banana Bus. I think there, there's a couple others like Center Fifty. Uh, see uh from the sideline i listen to regularly I, I try to do as much as i can with keeping up with 
uh, all of the content that's out there, but it's just, uh, keeps growing and growing so quickly, uh, that, uh, you know, I only have so many listening hours in the day, but I try to fit it in wherever I can. Yeah. It's, it's not easy. Uh, tea and biscuits. You had mentioned the banana bus, but tea and biscuits is an English one run by my friend, Mark Dale twiz. So, you know, it's, uh, there's so, there's so much stuff out there. So, you know, I just, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, we're going to, uh, kind of a sneak peek for a future episode, but we're going to have several content creators and podcasters on. Uh, we're going to do a round table next month, uh, still trying to finalize the date, but uh, we're going to have several uh, several podcasters on to talk, you know, just have a big old discussion on uh, podcasting and content creating and uh, just hopefully being a resource for anyone who's looking to start their own shows. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm I'm looking forward to that. See, that's smart. That's the kind of thing that we need to start doing, right? Start having each other's backs. You know, it's it's so easy to 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 beat up on each other. We do that regularly between the nets. You know, so everyone talks about growing the sport. Okay, what are you doing to grow the sport? <laughs> uh, what did what did Ryan say the other day? I, I love it. Um, this is such a Texas thing to say, man. That's what I, I love about the mm -hmm. Texas people, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're using this. Why aren't you using your feet? Right. You're talking about growing the sport. You're hashtagging growing the sport. But are you what are you doing? What are you doing to move it? Right. Are you getting out there? Are you moving your feet? And I just love that. I think that's a that's a great perspective. So Yep. Uh Ryan Gray is full of gems like that. Oh yeah. Well, you know, there's there's, there's several people in Texas that are that are you if you sit and spend the time and talk to them, like uh like Colt, you know. <laughs> he's he's got some zingers out there. Ryan's another one, you know, there's it's just I don't know. I love it. Yeah. Spirit animal. My spirit animals are in Texas. <laughs> I love it. Because I love guns. So. <laughs> All right. So uh, are that... you allowed to say that or? Oh yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Texas show. We should be able to. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. All right. So I think that uh, just about does it. This final question that we have is from Compete, which is Jell Stewart's brand. Uh, message him on Facebook mm -hmm. or Instagram. Mention In the Pits for 10% off of your order of soft goods. So, uh, Mike, thank you so much for your time. Do you have any last shout outs or things you'd like to say before we sign off? No, just first of all, thank you for having me. Um, you know, shout out to everybody who's out there grinding, right? It ain't easy, man. It's tough to sit there and, and be competitive and, and and afford this sport. And if you really love it, right, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. So get out there, keep grinding, support each other, support these channels, um, tune into the coaches show. Uh, you know, get it, get in the stands, man. Get to these events. Bring friends to these events. You know, buy their tickets into the into the stands. Do whatever you can, right? So let's get out there and do it, man. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, that does it. Uh, Mike, thank you for your time and everybody online. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to go follow Mike at ZenWop 73 on Instagram and also follow the coaches show at the coaches show dot live. Uh, so what other guests would you all like to see on the show? Be sure to leave a comment down below while you're at it. Hit that subscribe button. The show goes live weekly here on youtube.com slash at in the pits paintball podcast and recordings are posted to YouTube, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify the next day. I will uh, give a shout out to my partner and sponsor to your subscribers on Patreon, FU Athletics, Get That Shot, Paintball Kumite, Compete, 
Bemraps, Skull Monkeys Paintball, Hydra, XTPL Events, YI Paintball, Mariachi Aguilas de Oro, Pod Runners Union, and 71 Designs. So we will see you all next week for episode 83, where we're going to be joined by Josh Lenhart. Uh, he's the man behind the camera for Yosh Designs, and uh, recently he uh, announced that he was the uh, new content creator for GI Sports and Core Outdoors. So uh, we're going to get uh, Josh on, get to hear his story. So we will see you all then. Mike, thank you so much. Thank you.